You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Okay, so sometimes I've learned from experience that you can smoke too much weed before you're going to record or you're going to write with your friends or something because you might be feeling it right then, but you're not entirely like on the same plane that you're normally on. You know what I mean? So like you might be hearing something different, but your mind isn't perceiving it exactly how it's supposed to be perceived because your imagination's running and while you're creating. And I feel like that that is hard. You know what I mean? Um, and sometimes things get fucky. You know, it don't sound good. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcasts, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. I hope that you had a great weekend. I most certainly did. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal are Montreal's premier metal promoter, and if you are ever in Montreal and you would like to go see a great show, well, I can absolutely guarantee you that Heavy Heavy Montreal will have you covered. I am beyond stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. Are you in a band? Would you love to have your band's song featured in an upcoming Vox and Hops episode? If that would be the case, then you should definitely send me a message, write me an email. You can do that by hitting up Matt at VoxandHops.com. That's M-A-T-T at V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. Send me a message and I will hook you up and I will tell you all about being a part of the Vox and Hops Artist Spotlight segment. I love doing this. I love shining some light on killer bands. If you're in a band, you're launching a brand new song, you want to get a little bit more exposure for it, well, the Vox and Hops Artist Spotlight is there for you to do exactly that. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I would love for you to tell a friend about the podcast. If there's someone in your life that just really enjoys cannabis, well, you should absolutely let them know that the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast exists. You can tell them that there are over 400 episodes where I sit down with some of the world's best metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music and some of their favorite vices. If you were to encourage one of your cannabis-loving friends to become a brand new Vox and Hops head, that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now, today on the podcast, I'm very stoked to be with David Simonich of Signs of the Swarm. Get ready, everyone. This is a very special episode. This is Vox and Hobbs episode number 420. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm very stoked to be with a very special guest for the 420 episode of Vox and Hops. I'm with David Simonich of Signs of the Swarm. David, how you doing? Uh, I was looking around. I sort of like 420 like snuck up on me. I was like, who who am I going to get? And I started asking people, who, who's like a weed guy in metal? Like I'm the beer guy, obviously. Me, Dave Witte, a few other people. Who's like the equivalent in weed? And uh, both Christian Donaldson and Bradley Zorgdrager were like David from Signs of the Swarm. So here we are, episode 420. Um, people were saying Vokes and Tokes. You know, that's... <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm really stoked that I could be here. Um, I really appreciate the, the invitation to come in and be able to chat about some shit, man. I'm stoked to have you here. Let's just jump straight into it. Uh, Vox and Hops is typically where I hang out with metal friends, talk about their lives and music while sharing craft beers. This episode's going to be a little bit different because you don't drink, but you do partake in uh, a whole bunch of amazing things associated to 420. So what are you going to start off with on your side to, to kick this episode off, David? Um, I'm thinking about starting off with um, some... Uh, Leafa brands, uh, rosin here. Um, uh, it's a great concentrate. Uh, it's a sativa, so it won't have me sitting here wanting to take a nap while I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm not that boring. No, no, no. It's just once you get into the rosin stuff, you know what I mean? Um, just a cautionary for all your listeners just in the podcast. The torch is going to kind of be a little loud for a second. Oh, yeah. Toasted it up. Get it ready. Oh, yeah. I'm uh, currently dabbing on a uh, turf blender. 
um, it is where it has two marbles on the inside of the reservoir um, where it spins the concentrate while you're smoking it. Hell yes. See, that's the future, people. It's, it's very far from back in the day when we all discovered this stuff. I remember whenever uh, concentrates like started hitting hitting the industry, I always call it like during the Wiz Khalifa blow up because like it was during like the time he was like it kind of exploding in the industry, at least mm-hmm. around for us. I was uh, my, my earlier people that I would witness doing stuff like this on the road was Leonard from Cephalic Carnage. Oh, yeah. He was, uh, he, I guess actually now that I'm talking out loud now, he would have been also been a, a, could have been a viable option for episode 420 because Leonard is, is also very deep within the world of 420 if my memory serves me correctly. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I, I really haven't heard too many metal people in the cannabis community really at all. Um, I have noticed that the owner of uh, Blackcraft um, started his own uh, little franchise there, uh, Smoke Blackcraft, um, where mm. the merchandise is more appealing to alternative um, users, you know, uh, like they're like their glass will have like skeletons and shit on it. It's kind of it's really neat. Like they got uh, those um, whatchamacallit, uh, those little bat gummies uh, where yes. it's like. Um, like an edible. I, I I don't understand why why it's not more portrayed in the metal scene the way that beer is. Let's say there are a bunch of bands that have like smoking paraphernalia, such as Decrepit Birth and other bands such as that. Uh, the the grinders and stuff. I've seen Candle Decapitation. Yeah, the grinders yeah. come out stuff like that. But uh, to be such an activist, which is what basically you are. Yes. Uh, with your article that came out in High Times uh, back in 2021. Um, pretty fucking cool thing. On my side, I am drinking a beer. Um, I tried to fight something as dank as possible. (laughs) This is from EXP. Um, So basically, hops and weed have a lot of stuff in common because they're basically like sisters. Dude, honestly, I used to brew beer back in the day. No way. Yeah, I used to work for a company called uh, More Flavor. um, Okay. And I got into brewing beer with them. And then I kind of ventured off into brewing mead. And wines, Um, that was more fun for me just because it's not not so much stuff you have to watch in babysit. You know (laughs) what I mean? Like um, it's really alive. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know. Plus bottling is a bitch. (laughs) Bottling is a pain in the ass. This is their uh, teleportation New Zealand. So it's just a bunch of New Zealand hops. They got Nelson Sauvain, Reco, Sub-Zero, Hop Keef. It's a 6.5% IPA. And it's uh, the dankest beer I could find to honor the 420 episode uh sadly all of the amazing beers that came out back in april to uh honor 420 because a lot of breweries are really into the weed culture and they make a bunch of beers and drop them on 420 but here we are you know we're in june now a lot of those beers uh, would not be as fresh and they are just not around so i'm gonna pour this out let's just take it back you no longer drink now you brewed beer before you went into the world of mead and wine but take me back to your very first beer my very first beer Holy shit. Oh, man. All right. It was with my buddy, Josh. I'm not going to say his last name, but uh, my buddy, Josh, from back in the day. I remember we were at this park. Uh, like, it was this little, little like, community park that had, like, a community swimming pool and stuff like that. I remember him literally sneaking by and robbing the beer from his mom's cooler. Definitely happens. You know? And... Then it was like just me and him like sitting behind the from little gazebo thing, just drinking the little guy, you know, and we felt like such hard asses. I can remember it, dude. And then Yeah, <laughs> first beer, dude. Wow, I haven't I haven't been asked that question before. I, I'm glad that I that I picked at something new, something that you, you did talk about. I guess that your first beer is very different from your first experience with weed because you grew up in a household where weed was very prominent the way that normally drinking is prominent. So so you didn't have to sneak your first weed, I assume. Oh, uh, no. Um, honestly, it was more along the lines of like my mom saying, quit smoking my fucking stash. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like shit, like my grandma was having me roll her joints, you know what wow. I mean? Uh, yeah, but it, weed was very normal in my household. It wasn't like really a big deal, you know what I mean? 
Um, like it was like within means, you know what I mean? I had to wait till I was a teenager to be able to start smoking and stuff, you know. It wasn't like, oh, I'm a baby. I'm smoking with weed. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> some people get it twisted and fucking got some wild shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> in my in my household, I was raised that whenever you're old enough to start paying bills, that's whenever you are old enough to be able to smoke a joint. You know what I mean? And um, for me, I started paying bills young. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, at what point did drinking become an issue? Um, did you you got into the world of craft beer because you were brewing, uh, and then at what point was it just too much and you had to step it back and only focus on consuming weed? Well, um, with alcohol, uh, I kind of got lost in it for a little bit. Um, I say that because that's the best term that can come to mind with everything. Um, I believe it was influencing me to turn into a person that I wasn't, you know? And um, I had a rude awakening whenever I was on tour in Japan, actually. And um, I had a crazy night out, a um, lot of drinking. Which, which Japan tends to be. Yeah, dude, the, the, they just feed you alcohol all day, you know, like... And I, I was, I was going, you know what I mean? I was drinking good. Um, cause like, I love, I love trying out the sakes and stuff, you know what I mean? Like stuff that like, I wouldn't be able to have access to. There's primo lines there that are just normal, you know? Um, but anyways, but, uh, I got really drunk and on a day off and then the show day and came in the next day and I was throwing up all day. I was so hungover. Um, and I almost missed my show and, um, yeah, I've had, that was like a rude awakening for me because, uh, I'd really never seen my guys disappointed in me before like that. And, um, that's whenever I was like, you know what, because like, I was already like having self-realizations, like I was having arguments with people that I didn't even fucking want to have an argument about, you know what I mean? It was just really on edge and it just it wasn't me man you know what i mean and um that's whenever i felt like it was the best to kind of just take a step back and just quit drinking you know i can completely imagine that situation and here you are in japan of all places dude a, that... an amazing feat you know for <sighs> any musician it's a dream to go play japan here you are you're finally there prepared you know all the practicing everything to bring you there and then a vice being something that holds that back. I feel like that uh, I was living too much in the moment. You know what I mean? And um, I would definitely say that the the vice kind of hindered me. And because, like, even since I quit drinking, my live show is way better too. I'm more focused. I'm not just. Were you drinking before gigs back then? Uh, not too much entirely, but there there have been some ones, and you know how it goes. Fucking, it's always that one. You learn with how many is is okay, and the, the, then you remember that show where that one was too many, which is leading to the next question of how does that work with with weed consumption? Is there something you can do before you play a show, and has there been those experiences when you've discovered that it's too much? This strain, this experience. How many hours before? Talk to me about that. So with pre-show rituals with weed, um, I try not to smoke concentrate before I play. Um, it honestly just dries me out too bad. I just, to get the crisp, like wetness to my, to my tone that I aim for, you know what I mean? Um, it, I, I try my best to try to stay away from the concentrates, uh, at least before I play, um, I'll smoke flour nonstop. Um, like it, it's no, it's really not that big of a deal in my opinion. You know what I mean? I'd rather smoke a joint than a cigarette. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah. You know, like after I play, though, that's whenever I'll be allow myself to like have concentrates and edibles. Edibles, no way before I play. <laughs> you can't trust those motherfuckers no, no. ever, dude. The labels are never right. I don't care what anyone says. 
Yeah, because I, I, I don't know, I'm not very well versed in it, but I can just imagine like in a cooking aspect of things and then you're pre-packaging stuff out. So you, how do you know how much is going into how much of each little thing? See, like that's where like I believe that they have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> I feel like it's something that's going to be regulated a lot harder in the future for sure. See, I feel like that it it has been, I believe... All right. To my to my knowledge, I could be wrong. So if I trigger somebody that is a cannabis enthusiast and like it's not the right thing, I'm sorry. But I do believe that most places uh, keep it down to 100 milligrams um, for some recreational places per packaging. Um, just so because they know that it's that much inside that entire packet. You know Understood. what I mean? Yeah. Um Verse like they were doing like 500 milligram candy bars and then that whole 500 milligrams is on this much of the candy bar, not on that much. You know what I mean? And then someone's eating it and they're just have a wild night. Yeah, you know, just melting. I've toured with people that are avid weed consumers, uh, weed enthusiasts. I'm very lucky that my vice is available basically in every country. I can go grab a beer just about anywhere, but I've toured with people that they, they can't get and then they're jonesing and they're sort of grumpy. Uh, what has been your experience touring and being out in the world where you just can't have it? Is it something that it's a day and, and it's an annoyance if you don't have it? Not really, dude. Like, honestly, like that's, I just call that tea time because the tolerance goes down. So, you know what I mean? Um, tea time, I like that. <laughs> it's it, it just a little tolerance break, you know what I mean? Um, it, it, like, yeah, like, uh, like I don't get any like withdrawals, quote unquote. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I've definitely toured with some grumpy people when they don't have it around. Yeah, but <laughs> that, those are just they're just grumpy. <laughs> you they're know? just an innately grumpy. <laughs> yeah, like because whenever I'm not able to have weed, I'm doing things that I love and I am enjoying my life. Hell you yes. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I use weed as something to connect me even further with people. You know what I mean? Like, I guess sit down and just have a smoke with somebody. You know what I mean? I don't even got to know the motherfucker. Just I talk about how his day is going. You know what I mean? Like, I like that. It's exactly like me with beer. I think it's very, very interesting. Uh, back to a classic Vox and Hops question we'll dance back into the weed questions later uh the soundtrack of your youth when you're growing up in your parents or guardians house what music was playing when you were not in control of the music what music did your parents or guardians listen to oh dude fucking my mom was like a big sucker for like that 90 grunge era yeah so there's like a lot of smashing pumpkins um my stepdad listened to a lot of nirvana um, Alice in Chains, uh, a lot of like, a lot of like typical radio bands, quote unquote, you know what I mean? Like Soundgarden, um, the radio was a little bit better back then. Yeah. But. Yeah. That's for sure. You know, um, Deftones, I'm showing you know my I mean? age, some of the things that like, I still listen to, to this day, you know what I mean? Um, might be the nostalgia of it. I'm not sure, you know, uh, but yeah, that was some of the stuff that she, my mom, I lived with my mom primarily. Um, my mom also was a huge, like, Destiny Child, like, little Kim lady, you know what I mean? She loved, nice. like, some good, like, hip-hop and R&B. Um, definitely, definitely rubbed off on me, that's for sure. Uh, but yeah, fucking my stepdad, he would always just, like, kind of play more, like, the grunge rock shit for the most part. Um, nowadays, like, really don't listen to the radio with them that much, unfortunately, you know, but what would be the first artist that you brought into the house that, that you, your parents had to put up with? Cause you were just so in love with it. Oh, uh, dude, dance club massacre. Do you remember them? I know the name. I don't believe I ever heard them. They got that fucking big ass fucking spider fucking stabbing that bitch with the fucking, uh, I don't know. It's <laughs> it, Yeah. But dude, fucking, it was like the most evil grindcore ever. That, you know what I mean? Like that fucking <laughs> psycho shit, dude. It was so good. <laughs> were, were, were they were they ready for it? Did they did they accept it, or was it was it too much for them? Honestly, like once I started falling down that road of like listening to heavier music, uh, that was the least of their worries. They didn't give a shit. <laughs> 
because yeah. you already out partying too much and and, and enjoying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> For the most be, be, part, be, being a wild child. Uh, pretty much, you know. Um, I really didn't have like the whole like typical like white picket fence like household. You know what I mean? So. Um, whenever I was like listening to like death metal and stuff, that was kind of whenever things were a little bit different than they were. You Interesting. Know what I mean? so it's a pure, pure cathartic release music. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it for sure. Discovering that music can be something that transposes the negative energy. Yeah, yeah, you know, and uh, that's whenever I started uh, diving, like figuring out like my local scene, and then. Started yes. uh, venturing out, making more friends, you know what I mean? And uh, that's whenever, like, I started my own, like, my first band, you know what I mean? And then that band turned into another band. And then that started a new one, and then I got kicked out. And then I'm in this, <laughs> I start this new one. And then, you know, you know how it goes, being a kid trying it's, to fucking it's, do it's, shit. It's, it's one thing after another, uh, but it all started somewhere. Do you remember the first time you attempted to do harsh vocals? Yes, I do. What was that song? What was the experience? Where were you? Because I gradually fell into harsh vocals. It was like one jam after another that just sort of pushed me. I was one of those kids that was like, I'm going to mosh till I fucking die, bro. You know what I mean? I used to be one of those guys. The whole yeah, show. Yeah, so I had like a warrior. huge appreciation for the music already. Like... I was I didn't have a lot of money growing up, so like I didn't have the means to get an instrument and all my friends wanted to start a band and then like I was like, Oh, that can't be that hard and then like I tried doing it and then my buddy was just like, Yo, that's sick as fuck and then See? yeah what's that guy's name give him give him a shout out because you might not be here dude fucking cody yeah you might not be here if it wasn't for cody giving you that first sense of like confidence dude honestly if it wasn't for cody i would not be where i am today Isn't i will cool? i will yeah. give him that 100 percent token right there Isn't that cool? <laughs> yeah yeah him and my buddy justin yeah those two guys because justin took me to my first show so yeah, those two guys like literally made my life this way. <laughs> I, I often say on the podcast that I'm happy that I'm a little bit older than some of the guests I speak with, and my first first gigs don't exist. How old are you? I'm sorry. I am gonna be forty this year, believe it or oh, not. Oh shit! You look great. I, I it's the beer. I'm I'm pickled. Jesus but... Christ! <laughs> <laughs> the. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, so there's no like evidence really of my first first attempts of doing any new style of vocals that necessarily exists. Uh, but take me through the gradual progression of your voice and what steps you took to become because you're a very proficient vocalist, one of the top of the scene at this moment. Um, talk me through just becoming better, and don't just say that you were just practicing and got better. Yeah. Uh, all right. So. Um I'll rewind it back to whenever, like, I tried figuring out, like, what I was doing. Um, I wanted to try to sound like the dude from Arsonist Gets All the Girls. Interesting. Yeah. yeah um, that's, like, the tone that, like, my friends were kind of, like, pushing me to try to figure out a lot because I had a really good high yell. And, like, they thought it was really cool because, like, I listened to Grindcore, so I was always, like, at work, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, like, fucking losing my mind, cleaning shit, you know? You're that guy. Yeah, yeah like you that. know? Yeah. Fucking, like, yeah. I fucking like to jam out, dude. Fucking, like, you know, fucking. Which is the secret to getting better. You got to use it. It's like a muscle, right? So yeah. if you don't work out, it's going to be fucking sore. Yeah, truly. But, all right, so I'll fast forward a bit. Um, and then, like... Got into a band, but like, after, like, I started figuring out, like, the basics. And, like, you can, like, go back. There's, like, YouTube videos of me doing vocals, like, 11, 12 years ago. Um, like, covering, like, the Contortionist, Molotov Solution. Interesting. Um, after the Burial. Uh, like, just you, like... Dude, it is the most miserable thing to watch. Like, literally, <laughs> like, I thought about doing, like, a then to now thing because like dude i'm talking think, about I like think. myspace v-neck fucking <laughs> shit like fucking like because like i recorded it and then just like mouthed it over top of the video uh, you yes. know what i'm saying i didn't like actually do it do it you know 
I mean, it, it was so bad, you know, but <laughs> whoever could find it, like, that's just a little token, you know? It lives on the internet. Yeah, that's how you know I'm a real one. I was out there. Mm-hmm. I was out there putting out the cringe videos. I already did it. <laughs> it also shows, it shows people that if you put work in, there will be improvements. Yeah, truly. Because, like, if you look back then, like, if you do end up looking at those videos or whatever, um, my voice is very uncontrolled. Um, I'm pushing. Mm-hmm. You could tell that I'm hurting myself. I was not doing vocals properly. Um, as I grew into the vocalist I am, um, from that moment, uh, I was just doing a lot of covers back then. And then I got into another band, and that's whenever I started playing with other people. And I tried doing the whole, like, I'm going to cover the band I'm going to play with. You know what I mean? And try to, like, just do that for YouTube stuff. And just to back then, you know what I mean? Like, that was before, like, Reels and, like, Instagram. Fucking Facebook was just starting to take off at that point in time. But then uh, I kind of moved forward and joined a band called Improvidence. I replaced their vocalist because he went to, like, culinary school. So I started, well, I was with that band for such a long time. I love those guys. Um, I've had great moments with them. We, They're the guys that I went on my first tour with. Um, like, all those guys are off-living, amazing lives, and I'm stoked for everybody that was a part of that band. Um, but... Uh, after I graduated college and and Providence was more of like a hobby thing, um, I was working um, in a weld shop uh, as a foreman. Um, really? Yeah. Um, I actually have a degree in welding technology and metallurgy. Um, Backup plan. Yeah. <laughs> well, honestly, that was the that was just the, the plan. plan. You know what I mean? Um, and then I had uh, a buddy of mine named Jake. Uh, he actually is, uh, used to be our, in the management team, uh, for signs of the swarm. He's currently working for snot, the rapper now. Um, See? so his career has went in a different path, obviously. Um, I love him and he knows deep down in my heart. I, uh, love him. So, um, but he, uh, calls me while I'm at work one day and he's like, hey, do you want to fill in for science on this Ingested tour? Because he uh, he was a friend of mine, you know what I mean? Like, he knew I loved Ingested, and and he knew I would, like, I'd geek out over going on on that tour, you know what I mean? Yeah, I love them, yeah. So I was like, all right, I'll do it only if I have a potential slot to actually get the job. And they're like, if you learn this set in 11 days, get in the van and crush this tour, We'll talk about it. Okay. And then I was like, all right, sick. I don't have a passport, though. <laughs> and then fucking I, got, I wasn't able to do the Canada date, so I had to, like, fly around and take buses and shit. It was weird. Um, took a huge L trying to get that to happen. <laughs> Financially, yes. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I got to yeah. pay for this flight. And yeah. It was, like, one of signs, like, first real national tours. My you know God, what I okay. mean? Ingested, Body Snatcher, and Signs of the Swarm. Fucking, I will cherish that tour forever. I got that bitch tattooed on me, on my ankle. Yeah, I got got the uh, initials. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) And then the the ingested guys are just the best, man. Yeah, honestly, fucking, um, I got to become close with all them. um, And I've toured with them multiple times. And uh, yeah, honestly, I love those guys so much. What what would be like an aha moment for your voice where things just clicked and like the the if you were like in a labyrinth like you get like a like a bird's eye view of the labyrinth let's say I'll give you two aha moments one for actual vocal like actual vocalizing and then two for recording um, for my first one uh, for vocalizing is whenever. Dave Bernese from the Extreme Vocal uh, Institute. He's the best. Yeah, he suggested me to lay down on the ground and do vocals until my back doesn't leave the ground. Oh. Being at complete rest. And he was like, I challenge you to do that. And if you could do that, I promise you that your life will change. And then as soon as I figured out how to hit my tones without any back arch, that was the aha moment. 
I like that. Yeah. Extreme Vocal Institute people go check it out. Yeah. Like honestly, it's, um, it's their great resource, Mm -hmm. um, for like gaining more vocal knowledge. Um, I hit up Dave and see him every time I'm out his way. Um, I love those guys. They're great. They're like, I, I consider them personal friends of mine. I've worked with them for so long. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, another aha moment was, is whenever I took a step back away from the mic. Interesting. Yeah. Dude. Like in the studio. Yeah. Cause like being far, I was tracking like this. Yes. And then yeah. that proximity effect was, um, yeah. kind of hindering my voice and yeah. fucking up the mix. And I literally tracked that way, um, my entire career un- until amongst the lone empty releasing. Um, unbridled was tracked that same method. It's just people were just letting me come in and just do whatever the fuck I wanted to do. You know what I mean? And then, um, I sat down and worked with the producer and he was like, all right, I will let you track it the exact way you want to. He was like, exactly how you want to. And I'm just like, all right, cool. I thought I won the argument. You know what I mean? Like I was like, all right, fucking, I got to track what I, and then he was like, all right, now just humor me, do me the same shit you just did. But I want you to take a step back. Mm. And then he was like, better yet, I want you to kick back in that fucking chair and relax like you were telling me about you lay down. And yes. I'm just like, all right, game changed. Really? You track you track the whole record sitting down in a chair. Dude, fucking dead ass. Some things I did I did have to stand up for, you know what I mean? Like um there are some like excessive vocal parts that are really fast and uh kinda mm. long. Um kind of parts so like i have to i had to brace myself for that shit um but yeah like um that was a definite aha moment because whenever i heard the a b and somebody just being like no dude you're doing it this way and i promise you it's going to sound 50 times better and super sick there, very interesting there were some times where like the effect was necessary though where like where I did bring that proximity effect in. So it made the voice more harsh. Yes. You know what I mean? I used it more as a tool now since I knew what the fuck it was. You know what I mean? Um, Fantastic. So that was like a recent aha moment. And I really haven't shared that information with anyone really. So. Why, thank you. I appreciate that very much. I'll, I'll, I'll slip the word to Christian Donaldson. <laughs> yeah. See, like, because I tracked my stuff somewhere else you know, mm-hmm. and sent it to him because he fucking... I love Absol Fear's mix. Like, seriously, if I can... Dude, that guitar tone he got? <clears throat> fucking chainsaw shit, dude. <laughs> Amongst the Low and Empty is coming out July 28th via Century Media. Um, big record label. First big record label. Unique leader before that. I think it's super awesome that you guys are jumping like that. Um, talk to me about this record. I've I've read a little bit about it. I might have gotten some info from Christian Donaldson, which I'm going to ask about. Um, it, most of it was written in the studio. You guys are blending a whole bunch of stuff, old school death metal, some hip hop, some EDM. Yeah. You guys are fucking around. You lost a member right before jumping into the studio and you basically scrapped everything. Talk to me about amongst the low and empty and this whole writing in a studio versus coming prepared. Well, shit. All right. So, um, We usually would write inside Skype meetings um, where we really that's that's horrible. We've done that. That's not fun. See, like, it's actually not that bad. You know what I mean? Because um, Bobby will be like the head DAW, you know what I mean? And he'll screen share his DAW and then we'll have our sessions pretty much just like in our background. And you really won't be able to see what's going on other than like the DAW, essentially. And then we're talking to each other about how things are going and then we'd like Traxa for like MIDI maps and things out, export it out, send it to Bobby all inside the chat. It worked out really well for a while. So we did that for Absolvere. And then for we started doing that for some newer stuff that didn't get used really. Um, so uh, going into the studio, um, we ended up parting ways with our guitar player, Jeff Russo. Um, it was just something that just kind of needed to happen for the band. Um, we wish him the best of luck, and it is what it is. Um, moving forward, we had to trash everything. You know what I mean? We didn't want to 
move anything forward. Is it because it was his ideas? or No, it was just because we wanted to start from scratch. We had a different entire mindset of what we wanted to do for the record after kind of just like reassessing what the fuck we were doing. We were like, dude, we are moving to Century Media Records, an affiliate yeah. of Sony. Um, we need to get our shit together. And that's whenever me and Bobby like, we're like, all right, well, what are we going to do? And that's whenever he was like, all right, I'm going to track all the guitars and I'm going to do drums. And he was like, we need to just kind of just take it bit by bit. And then I was like sick. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to try to find some producers to work with us. Um, that's whenever I contacted Cameron, uh, the drummer of Born of Osiris. Um, I asked nice. him if he would like to kind of jump on board and kind of help with some production stuff and kind of just help our brains turn a little bit. You know what I mean? We only had uh, Michael, Bobby and myself in the studio with Josh Schroeder. So we were like, if we could have another ear, that'd be an amazing and just another brain to input stuff. Um, he helped with a lot on the record. Uh, um, and then that's whenever we were kind of chatting a little more and we were like, OK, Cameron's a great producer and songwriter, um, but we need to kind of get maybe some guitarist kind of mentality going on here. And that's whenever we uh, thought about one of the best in the game, Josh Travis. Um Resume doesn't even need explained. Do you know what I mean? Um, that was a no-brainer. We were honored that he was stoked to even be a part of the project. Um, he helped out a lot with the production, uh, adding some layers and stuff. Um, and then that's kind of when we just started writing, dude. You know what I mean? We Bobby got locked up in Studio A. Me and Mike got locked inside Studio B. And uh, me and Mike were just crushing away at lyrics while Bobby wrote the bass line of the songs. Um, so cool. And uh, pretty much as Bobby would finish his song, he'd send it to us by airdrop because we all work on Apple. So everything's just super easy to airdrop to each other through the walls, dude. Fucking it's nice. Um, so he airdrops us uh, a new song and then we try to figure out the vibe. And then that's whenever we figure out what song it is and try to kind of figure out a little piece of the puzzle. You know what I mean? We're kind of building it on the spot. So it was like building a city, but you don't know which brick goes in which building. Exactly, man. You know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Fucking. So we're fucking like hiving away in the, like just working our asses. And, um, we thought we were done. And like, we left the studio after being there for about a month um, and we were, we had a, had a good, good record. We said, but went home and we sat back and thought about it and we were like, Nope, we need to go back. We need to fix a couple parts. And, uh, that's whenever we decided to go back and just tweak a little bit of things. Um, and that I definitely feel like that those are the little things that help the record make it that much special. Malady and Faces Without Names are, were songs that weren't even there until we went back. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, so um, we actually chopped out two songs and made room for those. Um, Fucking right. So uh, those songs had a little bit of writing at home, you know what I mean? Uh, so I can't say the entire record was written in studio, um, but I will say a song one through, like, eight were you know and I, I i think that's fucking sick because it was hard you know what i mean um, <laughs> there's a lot of pressure that's for yeah, sure yeah that's uh because like, you had to be creative yeah you know and on uh, the spot but when you're like immersed and together and it's just vibing and it's a cycle of just creativity yeah honestly man once we got a good rhythm going it, it was like it was just money dude you know what i mean and then like just working through the songs as a group, people sitting there listening as I'm tracking and as Bobby's tracking, as Michael's tracking, because we were trying to shoot a documentary for this, too. So, like, we might even oh, have yes. a documentary coming. I don't know. It's like content. Yeah. It's like one of those things where, like, <laughs> it, I have I have the teaser for it, but I don't have the full length. You know yes. what I mean? 
So it's yes. like one of those scenarios. You know what I'm saying? So like, I, I, I completely crossed, understand. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it sounds like a lot of maturity went into this new record. Um, being like open to having extra people in the room that aren't necessarily in the band to help. Dude, I had somebody tell me I wrote a B-plus chorus and it broke my fucking heart. (laughs) (laughs) I read Chester Bennington uh, did 20 takes, 20 different ideas for a chorus, so a B-plus is not so bad. Yeah, no, but see, but then that's what made me go back super pissed and i made that b plus into an a plus you know what i'm saying (laughs) that chorus it 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 was for the chorus and melody it fucking hits now though but you need to hear those hard things and it's important to be in a band where you can tell people these hard things see that's the part of being a creative with other creatives you know what i Mm -hmm. mean like it's not just a one man's show, you know what I mean? It's everybody working in unison together. You're building, you're building that city together. Everyone's involved. Hey, what's up, Fox and Hops heads? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Back to the weed. Talk to me about using weed for um, creative aspects when you're in the studio. Uh, I've read that you you only normally dabble with CBD when you're writing. Um, it, it helps you get a fresh perspective, and you freestyle patterns when you fuck around with weed, too. Okay, so sometimes I've learned from experience that you can smoke too much weed before you're going to record. Or you're going to write with your friends or something because you might be feeling it right then, but you're not entirely like on the same plane that you're normally on. You know what I mean? So like you might be hearing something different, but your mind isn't perceiving it exactly how it's supposed to be perceived because your imagination's running and while you're creating. And I feel like that that, is hard, you know what I mean? Um, and sometimes things get fucky, you know, it don't sound good. <laughs> I mean, I'm just gonna be truthful. You know what I mean? Like you get a little too stoned and then it's just like, you start just like talking about nonsense or you just completely yeah. like brain fart. You just don't even know what to write. You just sit mm. there just like, dun, 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 dun. you know what I mean? Like you just don't know. And that's something that, that you had to learn from experience. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's been many times where, like, uh, I drove from Pittsburgh to Wheeling and, like, met up with Bobby. And I'm like, hey, I got too stoned and I forgot what we were, like, like, (laughs) what were we going to do for this part again? And it's just like, bro, you're worthless. And I'm just like, ah, I'm sorry. Just record everything. Just record everything. But it does help, like get a fresh mindset on it too, because sometimes like you'll be stoned and you'll be in a good creative point. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's times whenever I'm smoking and I can't sleep and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to jump on logic and I'm going to tab out some guitar riffs on Odin. You know what I mean? Or I'm going to get on guitar pro and try tabbing something or like, I'm going to try writing a couple lines just for sit in the corner. You know what I mean? I feel like the yes. best shit ever written is whenever you're in those points where like you're usually sleeping, but you can't sleep. I feel like that those are the best creative points. Totally. And that's like those moments when like it's in the back of your mind and it wants to get out. Yeah. 
That's what and I'm it's saying. keeping you awake. That's what I'm saying, dude. I feel like that yeah. those are like the best ideas that ever manifest into like reality. Like, I think it's super cool. I'm stoked for the new material. I've heard some stuff. Um, it's going to be good. The, 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 the new age of death core is exciting. The, the boundaries are expanding the way that they're expanding in many multiple metal genres. Talk to me about the future of death core. Where do you think this is going? Obviously the big hitter right now, Lorna shore has done you guys all a great favor, really opening up the, the platform to the younger generations, discovering deathcore discovering this extreme vocals the the coolness factor of deathcore is definitely through the roof uh, i'm from montreal despised icon hometown you know i i, I they wave the flag pretty hard starting <laughs> stuff off so so talk to me about deathcore and the, the, the future of deathcore um i will say a hundred percent that all everything that lorna shore has achieved is well earned and those guys deserve the most respect for what they have done and what they have endured and how they got to where they are. Um, I just had to make note of that real quick. But the future of Deathcore, I feel like, is very promising. Um, I feel like that we are in an era of time where people are more acceptable to aggressive music. Um, I believe mm-hmm. that it's not even just deathcore. It's just you could see it in modern mainstream that they're starting to rip off of punk lines again. You know what I yeah. mean? Yes. Um, I like to think of it as like an like a repeat of the '90s almost, but just heavier. You know what I mean? Like at least that's where yeah. that's kind of like where my mind kind of like takes it because like you see all these heavier bands playing bigger shows again. It's not just Lorna Shore. It's just heavy bands in general playing huge festivals. And it's fucking great. You know what I mean? It's people not just going to just see Slipknot anymore. You know what I mean? It's Slipknot and then the whole generation of metal that's still alive and able to play shows. You know what I mean? Like, at least if you reach that echelon. You know what I mean? You're playing them. You know what I mean? Um... Like, I feel like that, that just in general, that metal as a whole, including deathcore, death, like, whatever you want to say, just within the metal lane, I believe it is on the uprising. Um, I literally have toured around the world and a lot since COVID released, essentially. Um, And uh, I will say that. The crowds are getting bigger. People are knowing the words. They're not just screaming nonsense anymore. You know what I mean? Like, it's getting better, and it's it's awesome. You know what I mean? Like, just seeing how there's local communities of, like, people that just give a fuck about each other again. You know what I mean? It reminds me of, like, whenever I was younger, and, like, there was this venue called the BCA, and, like they threw shows and that was where I went for my escape and I got to see bands and learn about the music and learn this culture. Uh, you know what I mean? Like that, that's where I got my first blood, you know what I mean? Like fucking, um, but yeah, kind of went off a ramble there. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, doing, you're, doing, you're doing good. It's, it's folks and tokes. Come on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I should maybe do, maybe do some. Go tokes. for it. Go for it. I'll, I'll preface it with uh, my thoughts about Deathcore. I think that uh, you hit on something that there's a lot more acceptance for extremities in modern mainstream stuff, but there's also a lot more acceptance and not for everyone, but it's, it's coming for in extremities. People are more acceptable of things that are not just metal anymore. There's more openings to, to including things that are like um, hip hop based and 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 like yeah, sleep the, token is something that's like resonating in my mind at this exact moment. You know what I mean? So metal fans are more open to showcasing and and following things that they love and appreciate that isn't strictly extreme metal. Ghost, uh, sleep token are like perfect uh, spirit box, perfect examples of that. Yeah, honestly, that's a great take on that. Truly, because. Uh like spirit box they blew up so hard so fast so hard they blew up so fast and 
Like, I remember when that video came out, Holy Ruler. I remember yeah. when that shit came out. I was like, yo, this is a banger, bro. And then next totally. thing you know, three days <laughs> later, it's like a million views. Fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody's doing vocal <laughs> covers of it. And I'm like, holy fuck, they're it's up. True. I was like, they're up, dude. Get it. Because that fucking, no, uh, what, like, Ruler of Nines, that song hit so hard, dude. Yeah. Fucking just so kill good. Just kill him. Talk to me about... Um, Bradley Zordrager, good friend of mine, um, managing you. Talk to me about working with Bradley Zordrager, what he's like as a manager. Talk to me about having him in your camp, someone that texts you yo-yo to start a conversation. What, what's going on with the Zordrager in your mind? Uh, I love Brad. He's saved my life on so many fucking occasions, dude. <laughs> like He'll call me and be like, Dave, you remember this fucking interview is coming up in like 10 minutes, right? And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I hope that wasn't tonight. No, it wasn't tonight. It wasn't tonight. I promise. I was I'm looking teasing. forward I'm to because I texted you earlier today, too. No, 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 no. I know. I know. I know. Trust me. I was like, I was because like I called I've sat Brad. here alone before. No way. Oh, that's <laughs> sometimes it happens. See, I, I, I dude, honestly, if you ever need like a, an actual drink, or drinker from the band ask for mike mike has okay, the best mike has the best podcast voice perfect yeah like seriously it, it he used to uh do radio for him while he was in college really? yeah he used to be the I radio guy for uh his college radio okay well mike you're in trouble we're gonna have a chat but back to zorg drag you saved your life he <laughs> saves my life on so many occasions he saves me so many fucking headaches um, he probably saved me from losing my left leg at this point, you know? Um, but yeah, he, ever since he joined our team, he's really like kind of helped us figure out what the fuck's going on. Cause, uh, me and Bobby have been kind of just like kind of roughing it, trying to figure it out as we go. You know what I mean? Um, and like whenever the, the band kind of grows faster than you can learn how to yeah. kind of understand yeah, keep that. Up with it. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's kind of just like growing a little faster and faster to like, and it's just like, well, shit. Like I thought you were watching emails today. No, I thought you were watching emails today. You know, like, when a band becomes more popular, it's like you're, you're a juggler and then there's just more and more balls to catch. Yeah, dude. Like, honestly, I don't understand how Brad does it for us and multiple bands. Like he has like 30 fucking projects, bro. Like at all times fucking like, like literally, like I was on the phone with him the other day. He was like, "Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you, I'm uh, I'm working for Three Teeth now." And I'm like, "That's yeah. fucking sick." But yeah, how do you have that much time? I just know what I'm doing. Okay, fucking, <laughs> I love a man that's confident like that. But you know, <laughs> has a way to my heart. You know. <laughs> I love collabs. It's something that I do a lot with the podcast. I've done it with Cryptopsy. I've released basically over 80 collabs in the past four years. Uh, talk to me about what would be the perfect collab for Signs of the Swarm. Have you guys done a weed strain? Is that something for, for it seems really on brand? I've been fucking trying. <laughs> okay, so um, I did a collaboration with uh, Cola Farms. Shout out Cola Farms from Michigan. Um, you guys are fucking great. Thank you for having us at your farm. Uh, we did a collaboration with them. Uh, we shot a playthrough of a bridled and a weed farm. I like that. Um, which that's not even released yet. Like we literally just have it in a Google Drive, just sitting there. Um, but uh, once we release that, or if we release it, we were thinking about changing it to just the uh, drum playthrough. Um, because like it's like has like everybody doing shit in the weed farm it's it's kind of it's kind of extra like we got drone shots flying around fucking all the yeah dude like it's, it's, it was crazy um they had like uh 1500 uh plants growing oh, at that wow. point in time yeah um they put us in this uh nice lake house and gave us a bunch of product to sample and try out so we knew what Sounds we were like seeing day. today oh yeah dude it was great fucking <laughs> he had a bunch of taxidermies that creeped the fuck out of me it reminded yeah, me yeah, like some like evil that, dead yeah. shit like where like they're gonna come to life yeah, like, like nah, 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 you know what i mean like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't like that. that's so funny that reminds me of we played a festival in germany and we were sleeping in this little house with full of like little like 
stuffed dolls and Ollie from Cryptopsy Cattle Decapitation went into his room and he's like, fuck that, I'm sleeping in the van. <laughs> dude, if you've seen my guest room, dude, my fiance has literally like 33 dolls that are the creepiest oh, yeah. fucking things, dude. Oh, okay, well, well, when Ollie comes through, you can... <laughs> <laughs> But weed, yeah, that would be cool. So, so, so you you shot the playthrough there. What what is the limitation? See, I tried um I tried working on doing a collab with uh, Cola Farms, which that kind of like fell through after we did the playthrough. Um, we tried doing it. We were in the doorway with Double Bear, and uh, we were at the point of um, product gauging, and that was to see like how much product that we can actually handle on sale. Um, yes. where, uh, once we kind of like did the numbers, uh, it, how they wanted us to sell it, we didn't have that much numbers in the state mm-hmm. that they wanted. Um, and then there's another company called Nugget Abductions, um, really close friend of mine, fucking great guy. Uh, keep doing what you're doing, bro. Fucking, if you're listening, um, but his like we were going to do a collab together where um it was uh tinctures for to implant implement into your food um so um it was so you could like lightly spike your food so you could get a light edible hit you know what i mean nothing that's gonna knock you on your ass you know what i mean um we had song title branding i'm gonna keep that on the dl just in case if that just in case if it does come to life you know what i'm saying but um we had two different, uh, a high and a low tier. Um, and whenever it came to actually pulling the trigger, it was like, I'm scared to do this and have you guys promote it where it's internationally. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I, I was going to ask that question. Is yes. like, if you do something like this, are you worried when you go to countries where it is illegal? Are you going to be? That's the problem. Like, flagged as a band that would hypothetically be a problematic in that area. Yeah. See, like, that's uh, kind of like the thing. Um, so, with the company that Nug Abductions, we were about to cross the finish line on actually getting the product made and straight, like, we're going to have it. But we were only able to sell it in Michigan. Yes. Yes. And we would have to uh, find um, actual dispensaries that would buy the product and be their stock. And then we'd have to do a whole promo line of that. So pretty much it just ended up being a, a, a money trail of just having to drop more and more money into, okay, yes. I got this done now. Then now I got to pay to get into the dispensary. And then I got to pay for my ads to go through to guarantee the the dispensaries going to sell the product within the X amount of time that is agreed upon. Yada, so it's yada. not that far from making a beer, which is interesting. It's it's very similar because of the restrictive laws of selling alcohol. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely like it's really complicated to the point that I haven't been successful for it, and I've been trying my fucking damnedest. I want to have. Just I could just have one fucking one one crop of just one grow where it is literally just signs of the swarm branded weed with the idea that I have, I I would I would feel complete. <laughs> see, see, I, I wish I, I, it I, happens and I hope that someone that's listening to this can make that happen, but the way that it it happens and it's the same thing with music is that it's a slippery slope and you're never satisfied. I only wanted one beer collab and now I have eighty. You know, it's, it's and it's never enough. My my dream is that I want to have like cannabis companies like be like how fucking Budweiser will sponsor a festival and like yes like there's one you know what I mean I I want to I want to be Denver that's California. what I'm saying that's Come perfect on. Denver yeah. California fucking Michigan uh, Washington Oregon um, Nevada you know what I mean there's so many different places where like there could be massive cannabis festivals that are based on the alternative community yes you know what I mean like where it's not just Bob Marley playing, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. or some EDM music where like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, 
everybody forgets metal guys like you know, metal mm-hmm. people in general just like love smoking weed just as much as everybody else does. You know I think I you're mean? onto something, and within the next five years, that is totally going to be happening. And I hope that you're like a flag bearer that's like there and headlining it. Uh, I wouldn't be headlining probably if I could. <laughs> I, 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 I would just be years. stoked. I would just be Who stoked to be with, able. With the, amongst the low and the empty. Who knows what's going to happen? Dude, honestly, I, I hope that I hope the best for our record. It's truly something special. You know what I mean? So. Um, even if it doesn't do anything for us and it's just there, um, it, it's something special that we poured our souls into, you know what I mean? And, um, I, Bobby put it one of these ways that has resonated with me ever since I've heard him say it. Whenever he was writing this record, he just wanted to show a different perspective of Deathcore. And I truly believe that that is the best way to put in words about this record. You know what I mean? Because like, it's like there's so much variety to the record where it can appeal to almost any metal listener where you like metal core, if you like extreme metal, um, like you like genty stuff, you like just knuckle dragger riffs, you know what I mean? Like it's there. There's the disgusting vocals. There's clean singing. There's, like harmonized yelling there's it, there's a little bit of everything i've literally just i like to say that we salt and peppered this bitch good you know what i mean um <laughs> that sounds exciting that i i'm stoked that you guys pulled out all the stops and that you didn't do what i'm sure a lot of bands are going to do and we're going to see more and more bands doing just basically becoming Lorna Shore 2.0 because they had some success you guys have continued with your identity but just pushed it to the limit and really dragged out all of your personal influences and put it into this new pro- new album dude literally it was nice working with josh because we told him like hey like if we like are writing anything that kind of seems like it'd sound like Lorna Shore, you tell us that it sounds like Lorna Shore and we got to can it. And he was like, oh, that's easy. Fucking. <laughs> literally, it's literally like we just wanted to, we wanted to expand on our sound and show our influences and kind of just like hit our roots a little more. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like shit, like we busted out an old seventies wah guitar pedal, dude. You know what I yes. mean? Like we like hit like roots, like this one sound in this song. Like how did they do that back in the day? You know mm. what I mean? Like that one part that like captured us for us, or for just Bobby or just me or Mike. You know what I mean? We have like little hints of like those like type of like influential like thoughts throughout the record that just really make it just take it somewhere else man like shit there's this one part in um shackles like talons where um like i tracked this spoken word shit on this old school fucking tape recorder bro so cool yeah like literally like an old school like you take to like class type shit you know what i mean and like i put it there and like He's like, I want you to do it with the headphones on to the tempo and everything so I could like record it and put it in there, blah, blah, blah. And um, I'm like, all right, cool. And I do it. And then like he's playing it back and it's like fucking up while he's playing it back. And he was like, no, it's supposed to do that. And I was like, oh, and then he's like (laughs) playing it and like it through the thing and like tracking it and like we play it back and then he's like yo we need to add a little spice to it and i was like remix machine and he was like you read my mind and then fucking <laughs> put the remix machine on it like a little hints of pieces right there and fucking dude that part it takes me soaring because like it's under this drum and bass or it's like over top this like drum and bass part where like the guitars are doing this real big ambient like thing fucking awe. I'm going to tell Brad to send you that previewer. One last question, how you fight the hops. And it is a new segment where I'm asking my guests a short-term goal, something they're working on right now that they hope to accomplish within the next month or two, a short-term goal, something that is a 
just out of your reach, but you're working towards. It could be personal. It could be financial. It could be um, for the band. It could be physical. What are you doing right now to fight the hops? Um, I am planning my wedding. No way. That's cool. Yes. Um, I am getting married in September. Uh, Congrats. Thank you. Uh, Amanda and I are going to Greece to get eloped together. Wow. And um, we're just going to enjoy a nice, good, like, getaway out in Crete after we get married in Santorini. Um, Just got some final hoops and got to get my tux fitted a little bit. And, uh, you know, I think that's a nice... It's like a short-term and long-term thing, you know what I mean? It's been... uh, Mm -hmm. It's been in the works for quite some time, but it's like such in the foreseeable future that like it's like right in my grasp. Like I almost like have like I could say Amanda's my wife and she's Amanda Simonich. You know what I mean? Looking forward to that shit, dude. <laughs> it's 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 a wonderful thing, and it's you, you go through two, three, four, five months where you just it's my wife, my wife. It's, it's just something that happens. I mean, this dude, is what, oh you, my god! The, I cannot wait to do that. I didn't even think about that. Too, oh my you know, but, god! Yes. <laughs> David, thank you so, so much (laughs) hanging out with me, talking about your life, talking about music, talking about weed. This is an excellent 420 episode. Just perfect. I really appreciate it. Uh, Everyone get ready. It's coming. Signs of the Swarm amongst the low and the empty. July 28th Century Media. Thank you so much. This is amazing. Thank you. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Man, this was an awesome conversation. I sort of realized a few weeks ago that I was approaching episode 420, and I hadn't really had the concept of doing an episode like this, Uh, so I panically wrote a bunch of people saying, who should I get? Who is a weed-forward metal individual the way that I'm a beer-forward individual? And so many amazing people pointed me towards David, so I'm super stoked of how all this episode came together. I loved my chat with David. First off, he's just super cool, and what a fantastic vocalist this guy is. I can't put enough emphasis on that. The new Signs of the Swarm album Amongst the Low and the Empty will be dropping on July 28th via Central Media, go check it out if you haven't checked it out. You most definitely should because it's a banger of an album, and I think you're gonna like it. Massive cheers to David for hanging out with me, for being an advocate for cannabis. I think it's so goddamn cool. Thank you for being a very special guest on episode 420. Now, if you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Little Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V O X A N D H O P S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week that will contain all of the details of everything that has happened in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal podcast. You get to see which episodes I dropped recently. You will get to see which episodes I have coming up. You will also get to hear about any projects I have in the works before I announce them to the public. And you will get to see which albums the Vox and Hops album review crew have reviewed recently and which albums Jerry Monk, Vox and Hops' metal architect, has added to the Brutal Awakenings playlist. If you are ever looking for something good, something new, something brutal to listen to, well, trust me, Jerry will have you covered. The Brutal Awakenings playlist is available on both Apple Music and Spotify, and it is literally filled each week with the best brand new music. There's always a lot of things going on in the world of the Vox and Hopsonal podcast, and I hate when you miss a single thing, so please do me a favor and sign up to the mailing list. The Vox and Hospital Podcast is brought to you by Sound, Talent Media, and Evergreen Podcasts. I hope you have a killer rest of the week. I will be back next week with one episode with Justin McKinney from the Zenith Passage. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops hits. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from The Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.